Well, I'm back in Boston and I am self-quarantining until I can get a COVID test, which is just somehow like way more miserable than regular quarantining <laughs> because I I know I'm like stuck inside and I can't, well, like I can't go outside for like a walk or go outside for a run. I like looked up the guidelines and it's like, you have to stay. Well, how would they know? Well, they wouldn't, but it's good to follow the rules, Natalie. <laughs> no, I respect that. I am a rule follower, so I, I do respect that. Um, I I like that I, it feels like Massachusetts is, like, trying to at least keep things under control. Meanwhile, like, Colorado was doing good for a while, and now, like, we're, we have, like, the most cases well, that we've had thing, this whole time. Is that, so. like, everywhere else is just a hot, like, dumpster fire right now, like, the Midwest is has been on the no-no list because Massachusetts, there's only like three or four states that you can come from where you don't have to self-quarantine if you travel there. So it's like New York and then like some other of the little ones. Yeah. Um, Illinois has been on the no-no list for a long time. Colorado wasn't on the no-no list for a little bit, but then they got back on the no-no list. And now I think it's just all, it's all gone to, to duties. But you know what? After being in Illinois and seeing what people are like there, no offense like they are not taking it as seriously as we do here and like i i live in the city city so you know in more like rural or like spread out places in massachusetts it might be you know a little bit more lax but like there were soccer games going on in illinois and no one was wearing masks like i get that you're outside but you're all like up in each other's business yeah. And, like, if the kids, if it was just the kids not wearing them, but, like, all the adults outside were not wearing masks. So, I'm, like, this is why you guys are in the no-no zone. Yeah. And it's it's just strange to me. I'm, like, why are we risking anything? I don't know if it's because I'm just a, like, horribly risk-averse person. But even, you know, I texted you today about, like, what's happening this weekend. And I'm, like, why why does this occur to people to like not follow regulations like are you not scared of this virus I... and for me personally i it's like okay i might get it i do think if i were to get it i would be i would die probably i just feel like oh, i have very no. bad i feel like no. i have very bad luck but, <laughs> but um more than that i'm like i really don't want the responsibility of accidentally passing this on to somebody else that's what gets me i'm like if i get it then you know what like i'll probably be okay but i there's no universe where like i would just feel so terrible i yeah that's oh my god if i did get it anywhere i definitely got it in the airport because these people are just like dumb oh my god i can't even natalie the illinois airport okay there's like a um a bar like in the center of where everyone's walking and it has like people all around it and like a bartender's in the middle there's no way that the bartenders can be like six feet apart from the people because it's all so close together and so there's all these people right in the middle of the walkway not a single mask because they're eating and so many people on the flights were like eating or drinking and like 
I'm like, guys, you can get through this, like, two-hour flight to Boston or Chicago without, you know, having a Dunkin' Donuts or, like, whatever your thing is. I was just, like, I was sitting there. I bought, like, safety goggles, so I look like a 13-year-old child doing a science experiment. I had, like, my intense mask on. Like, I, like, literally stripped down once I got outside of the airport because we were going straight to my grandma's house because she lives right by the airport so i like stripped down in the airport like garage area and like put on new clothes and like bathed in hand sanitizer and then like stayed very far away from her um <laughs> you know it was just a, a lovely time well, I, i'm I glad ridiculous. to see that you are taking it seriously and i hope when you do get tested it comes back negative me too is that Evan be... staying away from you, or no? Are you unfortunately, oh, okay. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, well, if you have it, I have it. So I'm like, okay, yeah. well, let's hope not. But I mean, I feel fine, and I don't think uh, anyone was like coughing or sneezing in my face. Um, in the airplanes, I got whole rows to myself both times, probably because oh. I had goggles on and looked like a freak, and no one wanted to sit like anywhere near me. But what airline did you fly? Southwest. Okay, good. My favorite That's, airline. I feel like that would be the only airline I would fly right now. Um, I just feel like I don't trust the other airlines. Well, they were still giving people like drinks and snacks. Oh, really? Maybe they well, like are legally required to, but I'm I like, at least no. I, I at least like that they already had a policy of like being able to cancel, mm-hmm. so just in case like things were to get really bad where you're going or where you're coming from. Like, it's not a hassle versus other, I felt like other airlines, like, were, like, three months into the freaking pandemic, and they're like, oh, maybe we will give you a refund, um, which just seems so stupid capitalism what the heck rude rude yeah uh this podcast is being sponsored by southwest airlines <laughs> um, they're honestly i love southwest airlines i i love them well yeah because they've always done where you can like cancel and transfer your yeah. credits and stuff and you can bring two carry-on bags like, yeah with no charge and you get snacks and drinks but like not during the pandemic i don't want those but like regular times i always get like a ginger ale on the airplane i never ever drink ginger ale in my life ever except on an airplane and it just tastes delicious I've on an airplane i don't know what it ginger is ginger ale i don't know <laughs> i feel is, like is it like ginger beer mm, no i don't maybe no, i don't know okay. um it's just like <laughs> ginger soda okay. like if you have a stomach ache back in the day your parents would give you ginger ale if I had a stomach ache back in the day, my parents would tell me to walk a mile. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they would be like, walk it off, though. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's too funny. I don't uh, know what would work better. It, well, theoretically, <laughs> like, well, because I used to get so nervous on airplanes um, that I would be, like, sobbing and, like, holding on to the, like, arm rests for my dear life. Yeah. And, like, in my mind, I was like, okay, ginger, that calms down your stomach if you're like having motion sickness or whatever (laughs) yeah solid solid i see i see the the logic there's some yeah 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 yeah. logic i got that have it (laughs) so other so what have you been doing to entertain yourself in in your newfound um i guess mandatory quarantine 
Oh, um, I've just been having some mental breakdowns every like three to four hours, you no. know, just because my life is stressful in general. And well, that's, that's just sad. like, it's what you got to do to get by. Oh, um, I also, <laughs> this is something I need to get started on. I signed up to do, to send uh, postcards to swing states. So like you oh, yeah. write a personal message and then you send it. Um, and so the minimum amount you could get was 200. And I was like, oh, I'll be able to, like, find some friends here that will want to help out because, like, why not? And then I, like, posted an Instagram story and no one offered to help. So now I have to do all 200 by myself. Oh, my <laughs> I'd help if I could. I know. It's okay. I asked Katie, my sister, and she was like, mm, no, I probably won't do it. I tried to get my little brother, too. oh Oh, it's fine i think i'm okay do as many as you can i mean what are they gonna do if you don't make it to 200 natalie i have to follow the rules i said i would do it true true um it'll get done what else am i doing on the weekends and i'm stuck here so evan do some oh gosh he would never also his handwriting (laughs) is terrible the people would get it and be like well i'm not voting like (laughs) i don't know what this what does this say like this nonsense (laughs) His, no, his handwriting is so bad. Um, but no, we're both like very excited for the election. We got our ballots. We have to go drop them off. But I have to get COVID tested first. You know, the usual. Just 2020 things. Gosh. Well, I have been doing absolutely nothing at all. That's since wonderful. <laughs> since I finished my um, thing, I've just been well, that's what you watching need to do. TV. <laughs> Did you end up watching the actual TV show that I recommended? Oh my the god, great? I completely I completely forgot. Um, <laughs> I will do that. I forgot. I guess in my head I'm like, don't trust Rachel anymore. She don't let you, you shouldn't. Once. <laughs> but I I've been watching Shit's Creek and I think I got to like season three and then um, I was like, you know what, Evan might like this show, so I'm gonna make him start watching it with me. So then I started over with him. Um, I don't know if he likes it, but I'm rewatching it again because it's funny. It's and I've been watching. So good. Wait, yeah. do you like um the Great British Bake Off? No, I, I no, I've never seen that. So yeah, it's so is it just good. baking? Yes. Okay. British what, people. What's so good about that? Baking. <laughs> because I'm watching like... Nailed It, and I didn't really care for it. <gasps> you shut your mouth. I love Nailed It. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that show is so funny. Um, I listened to her podcast, which is good, or at least one of them. Why won't you date me? Yeah, um, but I, I think nailed it is fantastic though. I love I, seeing people who can't bake try to bake. Okay, well, it's funny. Maybe, maybe I'll try the great, um, great, great British Brit- Bake Off. Great British Bake Off. Um, I, I guess Netflix has that like random like play something feature. Yeah, and like two nights ago, I clicked it. And it just played. It started playing that. And I was like, abort, abort, get out of here. I don't want to watch this. Oh, but it's so, it's like wholesome reality TV because they're all, it's like a competition, but they're all so nice to each other. And everyone is just like, all the people are just like random and different. Like, and it's, it's so cute. It's so wholesome, but then it breaks my heart when people get like kicked off. Oh, well, it's a competition, Rachel. Come on. I know, but I wish everyone could win and have a good time. 
Part that's how i feel about all sports and you're, all competitions i just i just hope everybody wins you're from the participation trophy generation <laughs> of course so are you we're from the same yeah, generation but i like to win <laughs> i i just want everyone to have fun Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pink Collar Crime, a true crime podcast focusing exclusively on crimes committed by women. I'm Rachel. And I'm Natalie. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Each week, we're going to tell you about one or two cases of crimes committed by women and discuss details, motives, similarities, and differences, etc., etc. If you like our show, tell your friends. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating and tell us what you love or don't love about the show. And give us a follow on social media at pink collar underscore pod. Before we get started, we can do a plug for leaving a review. Um, so if you leave a review for our podcast on iTunes, um, then we'll donate a dollar to the national NCVC. NC. National Center for Victims of Crime. To the Northern California Volleyball Club. <laughs> the first thing that came no the national center for victims of crime i was right (laughs) national center for victims of crime natalie was like right natalie was right as per usual um so yeah donate a dollar and we will donate money no don't no 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 leave a review and then we'll donate a dollar you can also donate a dollar if you want can you tell that i'm just like having a great time my brain is turning to oatmeal and quarantine. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. I hope that you are able to take a walk one day soon. <laughs> well, I'm probably going to go get tested like Wednesday or Thursday and hope they don't penetrate my brain with a pokey so stick. All right. Now that we are leaving that off on penetration, yeah, leave us a review. And yeah, let's get into this week wonderful um so the the theme i mean we we're still continuing this halloween theme and i started i had like two or three great ideas from the get-go um and then i started to run out of ideas so i texted natalie and consulted her about doing um you know halloween we dress up in costumes so i was thinking like con women who like wear disguises i don't know if that's too much of a stretch for everybody but that's, That's what we went with. Not what I did. <laughs> oh god! What did you do? I feel like every week, I just like take one word of what you say, and I'm like, "That's the theme." It's so fine. I was like, "Costumes, I can do that." So. Well, I was thinking the person that you just did for um, the Mecklenburg Mecklenburg Rose. Oh, Rose Mackenberg. Mackenberg. Um, that would have been a great one for this theme. So it, it covers both boxes. So like whatever you want to do. Honestly, you could just like show up with something completely different and I would just roll with it. Yeah. I mean, this person wore a costume. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I mean, that works. The theme, I, it was only costumes. I just like took okay, it a step further cool, cool, and cool. was like, well, con women wear costumes. So um, your person's not a clown, are they? Sorry, it is a clown. Oh, oh. i'm not excited okie (laughs) dokie 
um <laughs> as you can tell i'm very much prepared um no uh so this week like i said mine is gonna be a con woman who like to dress up to kind of trick people so her name is jody harris and she is known as the female freak frank abagnale so that is from the movie catch me if you can but also he was a real life dude so probably more from real life and then secondly from the movie (laughs) but it's a good movie we've talked about it on the podcast before when we were doing um con women as kind of a comparison but basically uh leonardo dicaprio played this guy who in real life like pretended to be a pilot pretended to be a doctor and he committed check fraud and then he was finally arrested um and then the fbi offered him a job and now he makes tons of money like doing consulting so um you know when you're a white man and you break the law that you just like become super rich and everybody loves you and leonardo DiCaprio plays you in a movie um not so much for for everyone else and, and not so much for jody harris um but she is perhaps one of the greatest con women australia has ever known her father joey kilroy known as smoking joe played club football in the 1980s and 90s and this is um rugby football so rugby (laughs) not football so no but they call it football there really i think i thought there's australia wait are we in australia yeah, I said yeah, it's it's Aus- the greatest con woman in Australia. Australia I thought Australian know. football was different than rugby. I don't know. Okay, um, whatever. Details, guys. So, details. Don't come here for If that. you're from Australia, <laughs> I, I put in later. So he earned his nickname due to his incredible speed on the field. I don't know anything about American sports, so I definitely <laughs> don't know anything about Australian sports. Um, so that's all I'm going to say about the sports. Um so joe joey was married joe his name's joe i think i said joey earlier um joe and debbie were married kilroy um were arrested for selling marijuana to an undercover cop um so debbie kilroy jody's mom is now the only convicted convicted drug (laughs) words are hard today um debbie kilroy is now the only convicted drug trafficker in australia to be admitted as a lawyer so she her mom, you know, obviously was going through some tough times when Jody was growing up, but she turned it around and is a lawyer now, which I don't even know if that would be legal in America to if you're a convicted drug trafficker to be a lawyer. But um, I'm not going into too much background on Debbie um, because I'd actually like to do her in a, her own episode kind of focusing on her backstory because her what she's got going on is very interesting. Um, but that being said, Jody did not have an easy childhood. After her parents were arrested when she was 11 years old, Jody was placed in the care of an abusive uncle. Jody had already experienced abuse at the hands of her father. Debbie was quoted as saying that she was often the recipient of abuse from Joe and she left him once he started hurting Jody. Um, so while she was in the care of her uncle, she ran away and this is when Jody first started to, to steal. At first, it was to get by, but quickly it spiraled out of control. When Jody was just 15 years old, she started getting friendly with the police officers at the Melbourne Police Station. Jody told the officers she was 20 years old and even went as far as asking one of them out. She sent him a scandalous photo of her dressed in a lacy black bra. Um, supposedly the cop didn't find out Jody's true age until she crashed his car and finally came clean. 
the article I used as a source said, um, well, it appeared to be very biased towards the cop. And since many of these cases are he said, she said, I don't want to lean in a particular direction without the facts to back it up. Um, But the cop said he told the insurance company that he was the one who crashed the car to protect himself and Jody. And the scam was later uncovered. The officer was fired and he ended up moving out of the country. What... I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Um, <laughs> I guess since there's not too much information, but yeah. to me it seems very unusual Weird, yeah. Yeah. that someone's 15 years old and no one noticed or was like, hmm, she looks a little young. Yeah, like uh, I've yet to meet a... <laughs> 15 year old that has duped me into thinking they're not 15 <laughs> so right yeah that it, it is strange i don't know i would I, I would be curious to i guess you didn't give a lot of details but i'd be curious to see what they it was the article that didn't give a lot of details not not me well yeah <laughs> the right article. well like i was saying the article because i could see it going two directions of like she told the cop she was 20, but, like, mm-hmm. it was pretty obvious she wasn't. But then the cop, like, got together with her um, and, you know, was like, well, I was, uh, after I found out her true age, I was just doing it to protect us both. But at the same time, I think that it is possible for someone younger to look older. And in that case, where, like, that creates such a troublesome situation, Um when it comes like obviously if someone were acting with good intentions and they thought that someone was of age um you know i I wouldn't want that person to be facing consequences but clearly you know this this cop did some shady business he didn't the sec it it would be one thing if the second he found out he was like okay this is what went down i didn't know but like i don't know maybe check the idea ids of people you're dating or something you'd think but (laughs) you're a cop because like you were saying if like (laughs) I feel like you can tell, like, generally how old someone is is. and the difference between 15 and 20 is pretty, a pretty big gap. How old is the cop? I have no idea. Uh, hmm. But yeah, it would be another thing if, like, he was, I don't know, what's, like, the youngest you could be as a cop? 21 or 22? Um, I don't know. I don't know. But it's... Like I said, the article itself appeared to be very biased towards the cop, and I couldn't really find any additional information backing this up. And since the article was written much later, um, you know, when Jody was an older adult, and um, they obviously had the knowledge of all these crimes, you know, it's it's possible that they were biased in their writing and kind of pinned it on her because she did end up, you know, perpetrating later in life. Yeah, but that's a good point. To me, it seems a little shady. So I don't necessarily want to victim blame if, you know, Jody was in a not so good situation. Um, but those are my thoughts on that. Um, so when Jody was 19 years old, she was arrested. And during the appeal hearing in Queensland, in the Queensland Supreme Court, Jody was described as an incorrigible thief, which is just a lot i feel like for a 19 year old um and clearly someone who um had such a difficult upbringing um you know kind of pigeonholding someone into a certain situation is 
not what I would encourage if you were a, a judge. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's your own choice. Um, so <laughs> Jody was creating a reputation for herself as a criminal, but she was also obsessed with the police. Um, so if you're a freak like me, you might be reminded that many infamous serial killers also have an obsession with the police. Um, so John Douglas, my hero, I own all his books, great guy. Um, he's a retired FBI special agent and unit manager. He said um, if they could pick a job, in reference to serial killers, if they could pick a job, a police officer always comes out as a top profession they would like. Um, so I don't know if Jody necessarily had the same feelings towards police that serial killers generally have, but it's an interesting comparison, something to consider. I think often serial killers are drawn to being policemen because they like that aspect of control or, you know, they often, you know, show up to the scenes of the crimes they've committed and like offer to help um just very is it also a little bit of like they're create they're creating their own little cat and mouse game like when you're i guess whether you're a serial killer or a serial con person or whatever you're creating like this cat and mouse thing like police are chasing you a little bit and so one I think aspect of the obsession could also be like trying to ingrain yourself a little bit to like know what's going oh, on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, there's all different reasons. And I think um, your motives can obviously change mm-hmm. at whatever point you are in like committing crimes. Um, I just thought it was an interesting comparison. Yeah. We don't, I don't know enough about Jody to say whether or not her obsession kind of stemmed from from that but um i'll share more details later that will give us a little bit more um well actually i'll share them right now so at some point jody had stolen a police badge and used it to convince officers in melbourne that she was a visiting interstate undercover cop although they wouldn't realize it until years later there were detectives in victoria nsw and queensland that were all looking for a woman who was befriending other women and stealing their identities that was Jody. They did not know. Um, so Jody had also started looking for love, or maybe other victims, on a dating website. It was there that she met Andrew Tinning, a Victorian policeman. Jody had convinced Andrew that she was a hostess for Virgin Airways. She even went as far, like, she had a pin for Virgin Airways that she would wear. She had the uniform. She had, you know, tags that she would have on her bags. Um, so they... It actually appeared that they really did care for each other. Um, so Jody and Andrew were so smitten that they decided to get matching tattoos, which I feel like is the number one predictor that your relationship is not going to work out. Yeah, all, um, always a bad move, guys. <laughs> so Jody got his name on her wrist, and he got her name on the bottom of his cheek. The article did not specify if it was a butt or face. <laughs> <laughs> But I was like, it's, it would be so weird if it was face to like get a, if you're a policeman to get a face of the tattoo. But also the, specifically the bottom of your butt cheek is also weird too. So. It just said cheek. It didn't say butt cheek. Either, it didn't say on his cheek face. cheek is a bad move. <laughs> so I don't know. Somewhere on oh his boy. body, Andrew had a tattoo. <laughs> 
Um, so Jody was pretty smart. She was able to get away from Andrew for extended periods of time without arousing suspicion under, you know, the guise that she was uh, an air hostess. Uh, she, he thought she was working um, and it wouldn't be suspicious for a flight attendant to be gone for a few days at a time. But Jody was off gallivanting from state to state carrying out frauds. She toted a Louis Vuitton bag or multiple Louis Vuitton bags while traveling in luxury cars, staying in five-star hotels. Um, on one flight between Melbourne and Brisbane, Jody was sitting next to a flight attendant named Leah. While Leah was in the bathroom, Jody swiped her driver's license. She managed to withdraw money from Leah's account on five separate occasions, stealing a total of $22,000. I don't know how much... I did not look up the conversion rate from U.S. dollars to Australian dollars, nor did I. I mean, this was in the early 2000s, so I don't think the... Either way, we um, could probably assume that that's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. Like, yeah, it's a lot. Jeez. Also, um, good for her for having $22,000 that could be stolen. The flight attendant, anyway. <laughs> seriously. Um, so... While she was speaking, on one of the five separate occasions that she took money from her account, she was speaking with a teller, and Jody was asked to provide Leah's date of birth just as a confirmation. And while this might have tripped up someone with a little less confidence, Jody casually told the teller, oh, it's it's on the license, it's on the card, just look at it. Um, and the, lic- or the, the teller was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's here, here's your money. Yeah. You would think... I mean, well, that just goes to show how confident she seemed because, mm-hmm. I mean, sitting here now, if, like, I'd be like, oh, my God, wait, she didn't tell you her birthday? Like, that's shady. Did she? But she. Is, sorry. As, as far as you know, did she, like, resemble this woman? Or did she, like, go and get a new license in this lady's? Because I'm wondering why, why didn't the picture? <laughs> so... It was said later when she did end up getting arrested that she had like a bunch of wigs. Um, I it did not, you know, specify that she would drastically alter her appearance, but maybe she went after women that she, you know, had a, a, a resemblance to or that she might be able to pass as. Maybe that's something mm-hmm. that's how she like chose her 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 marks. victims. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um but so on another occasion a woman named nova gorgon was she was a manager of a boutique when she met jody harris uh jody was certainly dressed the part when they met uh, of an upper class sophisticated woman decked out in expensive jewelry and designer clothing um they got to chatting as jody tried on clothes it was the boutique where they met um and jody shared she was the manager of a seafood restaurant and she dropped $600 at the store um, on on clothes, and then she invited Nova out for a cup of coffee. Um, So making friends as an adult is hard. And I feel like, especially as a woman, like, after you get out of college, like, making friends is challenging, like, being friends with people outside of who you work with. So, like, Nova was probably like, oh, my gosh, like, I have someone who is, you know, a like-minded businesswoman that I can be friends with. This is great. So her guards were probably down. Um, And when she was on her way home from the coffee shop, she noticed that her license was missing. Um, It's never a good thing to lose your license, but it's usually something that can be replaced. Um, But so Nova discovered that someone had used her license to access her bank accounts, draining tens of thousands of dollars. Nova was 
heartbroken. Aww. It's crazy to me that like she just got away with it yeah. and that no one was like, hey, you don't look like this picture or, you know, that it just wasn't like alerted to you that someone was taking. I guess this was back in the day before getting like automatic alerts on your phone from your bank and maybe the um, fraud tracking wasn't as sophisticated, but yeah, it's just crazy. It is. Um, so another time in Melbourne, Jody had pulled over a woman named Alicia Sur- Surly, um, and she was able to get Alicia's license by flashing her fake badge. I mentioned that earlier. Um, so she then used a license to access Alicia's bank account, taking $3,000, and then she changed the password on Alicia, which doesn't Jeez. make sense. If you took money, why would you change the password? Um, Maybe to but- like, keep her from seeing like to stall how long it changed how long it took her to see that money was missing a little bit i don't know that's that makes sense but that's a good point i also feel like she's working so hard (laughs) to steal all this money that i'm like you might as well just get a job (laughs) (laughs) well she wouldn't be able to get like all this i guess but risk versus reward (laughs) no that's a great point that's why you know like robbing a bank is you don't really get that much money from robbing a bank and it's just so much work and just so much risk um or like if you rob um if you like steal art from somewhere like you might be able to steal like a two million dollar piece but like what are you gonna do with it exactly (laughs) wild guys get a job Um, so there was another time in Sydney where a woman had fallen over and hit her head on the curb. Fun fact, in Australia, they sometimes spell curb, C-U-R-B, as K-E-R-B, curb. What? I'm not certain that they're pronounced <laughs> differently, but in my mind, I, re- I read curb and then curb. Um, <laughs> Our Australian <laughs> listeners, why? Why do you guys? Yes, <laughs> why? I think I was trying to look into it, and like you spell it as like curb if it's relating to like specifically like the street facing curb. I don't know, but I saw that written like that, and I was like, oh my gosh, who wrote this article? Um, this is like a random tangent, but I do feel like in some cases, like British and Australian people with like the way they say things are just kind of trolling the rest of us because like they might be (laughs) curb random i had a meeting um yesterday and it was 10 31 and someone goes it's one past the half let's get started i'm like what were they british (laughs) i'm like it sounds like a british thing to say they were not british but i'm like you're just you're just trolling us like this is not you just made that up that's not a real thing (laughs) keep going (laughs) (sighs) So Jody claimed she was a doctor and took the woman to the hospital. On the way there, she also took the woman's license. Jody uh, needed to keep up her cons in order to, you know, keep funding her extravagant lifestyle. She was buying matching pink purses, a sequined vest, which sounds Why? ugly as heck. Who owns a sequined vest? Yeah. Like, come on. Is that like a sign of like a luxurious lifestyle? <laughs> like, oh, she's a sequined vest. Must be a sequin vest. That just sounds anything sequined is tacky. Always bad. My prom dress was sequined <laughs> and it was tacky. <laughs> uh, so she got 
$500 hair extensions, designer jeans, a $4,000 watch, and she even ended up splurging $1,650 on a Beechoodle puppy. So that is a Bichon Frise combined with a poodle. <laughs> Which I only know that because my grandma just got a Beechoodle puppy. That is, that is cute. so cute. Did she spend um, that much on it? I don't want to oh okay say but like <laughs> she told me how much she spent on this dog and i pooped my pants oh. <laughs> it was a lot okay. of money uh my grandma's not like super rich but i mean it's a cute cute dog but i also uh i got my cat for free technically um somebody paid me 40 dollars to watch their cat <laughs> and then later asked if i wanted the cat so technically i you gained money, money yeah. from getting my cat yeah also since the australian conversion i don't know if it's more than a u.s dollar or less than a u.s dollar 1650 i think it will be i think it's less yeah ours our money is less so it would be like 1165 oh wow um still a lot for a dog but i certainly know people that have spent more on a dog um purebred animals i can't afford it my mine is a purebred and significantly less than this (laughs) (laughs) saying shop around people you can get a deal (laughs) you gotta get the discount uh exactly discount dog the one that like fell off the back of a truck (laughs) um so well in in that defense both of my dogs are like rescue mutts and they are just like such a personality like they're just my one dog is so dumb oh my god she's just dumb as bricks but she's like the cutest little thing (laughs) and then my other dog is like kind of mean but she's cool i don't know we have an understanding um (laughs) anyway uh so the whole time that this was going on andrew had no idea what jody was up to um so eventually he was on a cruise with his parents when he received a call from his colleagues in the victoria police um they had finally figured out what was going on with jody um and were tracking her down but jody was long gone by the time the cops figured out what was happening while she was on the run jody would call the police and leave them taunting messages earning her the nickname the catch me if you can thief um so andrew so there were kind of conflicting things that i got from sources there was one source that was like andrew had no idea what was going on like he fully cooperated with the police and then another report said like he was also arrested with jody so um i'm not sure which is the truth but Mm -hmm. the one that said he talked to the police said that he shared everything he knew about jody and agreed to set her up so after he returned from his cruise he asked jody to meet him in sydney and as soon as she stepped into his car the police swooped in arresting jody and putting her crime free to an end um so in her possession they like i said earlier they found wigs um they found police property more than 100 items of identification um she had a false australian passport she had driver's licenses bank and credit cards birth certificates medicare cards and she even had two californian driver's licenses 
Um, so she had a lot going on. I know I went through quite a few stories, but clearly there were much, much more. Yeah. Um, so she first faced charges in Sydney's central local court, where she admitted to committing identity fraud and stealing from numerous women. She was charged with four years with a non-parole period of three and a half. I don't know what What's any that of that mean? means. Oh. I don't know. I was going to look it up, but then I forgot. Maybe that means um, she has to serve at least three years. Three and a half. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, and she was also required to pay 175000 in compensation to the banks that were affected by her crime spree. Um, so this was something that's confusing. And maybe I would love if our Australian listeners could clarify. So after that, she moved on to the Victorian County Court where she was to be jailed for five years and nine months. So with the time served, she would have been up for parole in two years. So this is where I was not quite understanding what was going on. I wasn't sure if she went to the first court, served all her time, and then moved on to the next court, and then had to serve different time, or if this was happening, you know, all at once. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you work, Australia. Um, we barely so, understand how the American legal system works, so <laughs> sorry. Right. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so with the time served, she would have been up for parole in two years. And while she was on parole, Jody had to go to the Brisbane Magistrate Court over the crime she committed in Queensland. Um, so she was given a suspended sentence of 12 months whatever that means um but apparently at the time so she wasn't in prison she was living with her mother and working as a cleaner for a motorhome for a hire company um and at least the victims could take some comfort in knowing that jody had fallen far from grace and was now cleaning chemical toilets in motorhomes um so as far as what we know about jody now so she was used to actually um she did work with police in developing a video that they used to train police so she kind of gave away some of her trade secrets how she was able to get away with so much um it doesn't seem like it was to the extent that frank abagnale um you know leonardo dicaprio is not playing her in a movie um or the female equivalent of that but she did step in to to help out i'm sure to you know, get some time knocked off her sentence, or maybe she was compensated for it. Who knows? But that's the story of Jody Harris, the catch me if you can thief. I'm I'm excited to go back and look into her mother too. Her mom seems like such a cool woman. Like I think that's incredible that she was able to well, because she got arrested for selling marijuana to an undercover cop and especially nowadays as marijuana is becoming legal in many places it's um Hmm. you know looking back on that um and that she's a lawyer so like i said i want to cover that in its entirety later on but i like that we're kind of showing equity across crimes gender equity across crimes a little bit if that makes sense um but yeah i i would love to know like why (laughs) well here here's something i'd like your opinion on so going back you know she really wasn't in jail for For long long. yeah at all and if you think well um 
what was I think I was reading an article that was talking or maybe I was listening to a podcast at some point in my life um I was listening to something about the differences between white collar crime and like regular crime where they were saying you can only steal so much money with oh no it was a podcast I was listening to so they were going around asking everyone they were like okay how much money do you have in your your wallet right now like for instance i myself have two dollars in my wallet um and maybe like a Paxon gift card from like seven years ago <laughs> um so if you were to rob me at gunpoint you would get two dollars and a Paxon gift card from seven years ago um but the amount of money you're able to steal with white collar crime like yeah. look at how much money she she like drained people's life savings and she really didn't get that much time just because there was no you know kind of violent aspect to her crimes um which you know obviously don't go around pointing guns at people and and robbing them but the amount of damage that those crimes can do is still so significant um and just because it's not causing like trauma in a conventional sense like still no I, i totally agree on the other hand though in a lot of ways, especially given the time period, like obviously it wasn't a hundred years ago, but the way we do banking is a lot different now. I feel like mm-hmm. it's interesting for me. I just feel like some of these banks should suffer some sort of like penalty, like whether it's like criminal <laughs> negligence or something like I just feel, I just feel like this woman's giving you an ID that's clearly not her. And I I just looked up a picture of her. I don't think she's like plain enough to just be any (laughs) random person. You know what I mean? I feel like she's Mm -hmm. pretty distinct unless she really is getting like only going after people with stark, dark hair the same way that she has. And well, she had wigs. Well, yeah, fine. But still, I just feel like they're. There should have been, even for the 2000s, there should have been more, like, due diligence in place. For instance, what's your right. birthday? Look at my ID. Like, I, you, I can't say that at the doctor. <laughs> like, yes. So. Also, the fact that she was taking out such large sums of money, which I think would be unusual for, mm-hmm. you know, these women, I think, ranged in, you know, their 20s to, to maybe 40s. Um, which, you know, at any point in time, you know, if someone had $20,000 in the bank and they came and wanted to take out like $10,000, then there should be a little, like you were, yeah. And I think absolutely they do it differently now, um, where banks are alerted if a certain number of money goes missing, if it's in, you know, like a bank you don't usually go to. Um, but no, I think I, I agree. And I think, um, in some of these cases that the banks were financially responsible for covering the cost because she was um, required to pay the money back to the banks. She wasn't required to pay the money back to the individuals. So I wonder if the banks were on the hook for the money after they figured out that that it happened. But I really hope the women got their money back because that's just horrible. And I hope everyone involved learned their lessons, especially you, Jodi. Not cool. Yes. Jody, have fun cleaning your toilets, Jody. Gosh. I'm sorry, Jody. I'm sorry. Um, I know you had a really difficult childhood. You're so nice. Uh, I'm such a good therapist. 
no no I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I was just making a joke um but no for real like I I understand that we are mental health professionals running this podcast but I think we are still allowed to get upset with people and you're not my client so I'll have to be nice to you yeah like we understand to a degree but also I feel like we say it all the time like your trauma is not you know reason enough for you to hurt other people Okay, well, I'm excited to hear about your case since I don't really know what I'm getting myself into here. All right. Uh, I'm gonna, the way I kind of wrote it is like a story. So just join me on this ride. Okay. (laughs) Got it. Let's, Um, let's go. Were you joking about the clown thing or not? No, there's a clown. Oh, okay. All right. It's about a clown. This is a story of a clown, guys. (laughs) Like a female clown? I feel like that's not very common. Sit tight. Sit tight. Ride the roller coaster with me. Um, I'm buckling myself in. uh, (laughs) For my case this week, I'm taking you guys back to my homeland of Palm Beach County. (laughs) So. Yay. Yes. Yeah. In 1970, Marlene Ahrens was a 20-year-old divorcee and single mother to two young boys, Johnny and Joseph. She soon met and married a man named Michael Warren. Um, Joe Ahrens, her son, described a more or less happy home with his new stepdad and said, when we were younger, he was great. The only dad I knew. Just before the 1990s, the family of four moved into their new home in the Aero Club community in Wellington, Florida. And so I, growing up, I knew a lot of, like, I knew what the Aero Club was, um, I, I'm not sure what the Aero Club was like in the 1980s and 1990s, but when I was growing up, I have always known it to be like a community where all of the homes were like well over a million dollars. Like you probably wouldn't find anything for a million dollars. Maybe like a million five is probably what you'd find. And um, one of the biggest draws of the Aero Club, which is hinted at by its name, is that each of the houses had its own or still have their own like plane, like runway for their own private planes to like land and take off um and so and some of the homes even have their own like plane hangers and so oh my gosh i thought you were gonna say each home has its own like archery no no thing the the aero club people with their private planes um anyway all this to say that it's reasonable to assume that the warrens were well off together marlene and her husband mike were business owners they owned a lot of different businesses in palm beach county including like a used car business a car repossession business and they had like several um rental properties throughout the county and they were able to make a lot of money from um, just renting out to people and that helped support their lifestyle and you know they were able to take care of their two boys and so unfortunately though in 1988 Marlene's son Johnny unexpectedly died in a car accident at the age of 22. The family was devastated. Their surviving son Joe recalls the aftermath of Johnny's death as being when his parents' marriage started to show cracks. Um, it's not unusual for the death of a child, even, you know, in this case, a stepchild, but a child that Mike, you know, helped raise since he was like a little boy. Um, yeah, it's not unusual for like the death of a child to like cause or I don't know, to 
to be difficult on a marriage, I guess, is the right way to say that. And so... Right. I think it's not uncommon for... I think we see higher divorce rates mm-hmm. in marriages where a child has passed away. Exactly. That's, like, almost exactly my next sentence. Thanks, oh. Rachel. No, that was good. I got you. <laughs> You're reading my mind. And so, um, Joe specifically remembers that something changed in his stepdad saying he wasn't around as much as you say he should have been. Um, he describes his stepdad, Mike, not being there for him the way that he had used, he used to be there. And then also not really being there, um, like present as a husband for his wife, the way that he had been in the past. Um, Around this time, Mike was rumored to have been having an affair with a 26-year-old woman named Sheila Keen, who worked for one of Mike's um, like car repossession businesses. Other employees noted that Mike and Sheila often took long lunches together, which was suspicious to many of them. In January of 1990, Sheila and her husband Richard had separated after three years of marriage, and Mike began paying the rent for Sheila and her young child. It's unclear to me if Marlene was aware of Mike's indiscretions or if she had suspicions. Um, I read in one, like, news article, I think it was, like, the New York Post or New York something, um, that she knew that he had multiple affairs in the past, but I don't know if she specifically knew about Sheila. Uh, That said... Uh, Marlene definitely had some concerns about Mike because she confided in her mother, Shirley, saying that if anything happens to me, Mike did it. Uh, Oh, no. (laughs) Gosh, I feel like that's like you. I mean, obviously, women who might be experiencing abuse, it's not always easy to leave. But like, ooh, girl. Yeah. Um, And so that's also I read in another news article that in the previous year, so in 1989, which was just a year after losing her son tragically, Mike had apparently very severely beaten Marlene. And so Mm. she, around like 1990, around that time, she was basically like regularly threatening divorce. um, And a lot of family members suspect that it was because of like that one or I don't know if it was multiple times uh but because he was violent towards her and then also likely because he was clearly having multiple affairs um and so on the morning of May 26th 1990 Mike Warren was on his way to a racetrack in Miami with some friends Marlene was at home with her son Joe who had a broken leg at the time and a few of his friends Jenny Pratt, one of Joe's friends who was at the home that day, recalls sitting down to eat at the the table and then seeing a clown through the glass front doors approaching the home. They they were teenagers and they were kind of excited and amused at the thought of a clown coming to the house with balloons. And so Marlene went to the door and she opened it. She saw the clown was holding flowers. Joe remembers his mom saying, oh, how pretty, before hearing a loud sound. At first, Joe and his friends thought the balloon must have popped. Then he saw his mom hit the ground. Yeah. Um, So the clown had shot Marlene in the face, which was horrifying for a child to have to see. Um, And according to Joe, the clown then slowly just turned around and walked back with, quote, no care in the world. Joe couldn't run after the clown, given his leg, which was probably for the best since this was literally a homicidal 
in my opinion, maniac with a gun. Um, right. There's nothing you could do at that point by chasing yeah. them down. You're just putting yourself in danger. But he still had the instinct to kind of follow. And so he, like, hobbled outside um, to, like, follow the clown. And he saw the clown get into a white Chrysler LeBaron. And Joe, the entire time that Joe was following the clown, he was screaming at the clown, calling um, out different profanities, just saying all sorts of different things, hoping to get a reaction out of the the clown so that the clown can turn around and he could at least try to get a good look at the face of the person that just shot his mother. Um, And but the calm, but the clown just acted like nothing was happening, got into the car, drove off and yeah, just left. And so neighbors heard the teenagers screaming that someone had shot Joe's mom and called the police. And Marlene was rushed to the hospital in critical condition. She spent three days on life support before being taken off of it and dying. Because of Marlene's previous cryptic message to her mom that if anything happened to her, Mike did it, Shirley immediately felt that Mike must have somehow been responsible for his do- for her daughter's horrifying murder. But like mentioned, Mike was miles away, driving to a racetrack in a different county in a car full of friends. So he had an airtight alibi for the time of the murder. Um, An anonymous tip came in to the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Department, giving the police two names. Mike Warren, who we knew could not have done it, and Sheila Keene, Mike's alleged mistress. But there was nothing immediately pointing to Sheila as a possible suspect. So investigators just explored the evidence to see if they could piece things together. And I will say before I get into how they did the police work, it was all very simple, but I I commend them because I feel like I've read plenty of cases where there's like clear evidence and they don't try to pursue that line of I don't know, that theory at all. And so mm-hmm. good job, Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. Um, and so they knew someone had to have purchased a clown disguise, the balloons and the flower bouquet. And so they started looking at local stores to see if they could figure out who purchased these items. Within days of the attack, they tracked the flower arrangement to a local Publix where a woman matching Sheila's description was said to have purchased the ex- that exact flower arrangement. Next, at a costume shop named Capezio Spotlight, two sales associates remembered that on May 24th, just two days before the murder, a woman with long brown hair had purchased a clown costume. Guess who had long brown hair at the time? Sheila King. That lady. That too. Exactly. That lady. Um, and then on March 30th, police found an abandoned white Chrysler LeBaron parked just eight miles from the Warrens' home in the Arrow Club. Inside the car, police found strands of long brown hair and orange fiber fibers, like the kind that you would expect to find in an orange clown wig. Needless to say, they probably found the clown's getaway car or the clown's clown car. Get it? <laughs> oh, no. Did they also find a bunch of other clowns in the car? Like... You no, know, like how clowns are another clown. <laughs> okay. No. Um, bad jokes, poor timing for both of us. <laughs> um, and uh, so all of this was enough for police to get a warrant that same day to search Sheila's apartment. Again, in her apartment, they found the same orange clown wig fibers. They didn't actually find the clown wig or the costume. Um, but despite this evidence, in my opinion, clearly pointing to Sheila. She was never arrested. And the case remained cold for two decades. 
in the years that followed, Mike collected Marlene's life insurance, and then he um, ended up being convicted of racketeering and some other crimes, and he actually spent time in prison. Uh, Sheila officially divorced her husband in 2000, and in 2002, she and Mike got married in Las Vegas. Sheila took her husband's last name as her own and began going by Debbie, and she was now blonde. Uh, They settled at first, I think they settled in Tennessee, where they owned a franchised fast food restaurant named The Purple Cow. And then eventually they sold that and they were living in Virginia. Did you did you have a purple cow in middle school or was that just my school? No, I don't know what you're talking about. It was like a machine. Um, I don't know if a machine is the right word, but it was kind of like, you know, like those overhead projectors. Yeah. So ours, we had regular overhead projectors, but then there was like the purple cow, which it was like weirdly interactive, but also somehow projected onto the TV, onto the like board somehow. But it was, I don't know, like learning activities. And we just called it the purple cow and it sat in the corner of all of our classrooms. So. Um, you're insane. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, Palm Beach County schools, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had like smart boards, like in I think that middle school is when those were starting up. But no. oh yeah, we had we did not have smart boards in my high school. But one time I was judging. I was a senior and I was judging like a debate tournament um, at a different school in like Orlando, and. I had never really seen a smart board and part of what you do at debate tournaments is like you get up um, and you like write your name and like your school and like your information on the board and like the students just all got up and started doing that and then later I found out that they had all written on the smart board and I got in a lot of trouble but I'm like I am 17 years old (laughs) like I am responsible for nothing uh yeah that is i mean we had like full-grown teachers who had like written i feel like every teacher at least at one point had like written on their smart board yeah anyway uh, in 2013 23 years after marlene was murdered with the new like dna matching technologies available investigators decided that they wanted to reopen the case and try their hand at running the dna um that they had collected in the hopes that they'd get a match and luckily for them and for joe who like marlene's son who by this time in his life had just suffered so much loss like he didn't have a relationship with his biological father his brother died his mom died his stepdad ran off with a woman who is questionable yeah Um, that's just insane um the police were able to get a match and they found their killer clown sheila keen or Debbie Warren, as she was now being called. And so um, I don't know why, but it was four years later um, that they, like, arrested her. I don't know if it's because they needed to find her or something. Because, I mean, it was Florida, and she, like, was tied to, like, Tennessee and Virginia. So, like, maybe that had something to do with it. But on September 26th, 2017... 328 months after Marlene was tragically murdered, Sheila Keen Warren was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. After being taken into custody, one of Sheila's first questions was, is my husband under arrest too? 
Um, so that just kind of makes you wonder what exactly was his role in Marlene's murder? Because I feel like that, like if somebody arrests you and says, Hey, you're under the, you're under arrest for the murder of so-and-so. And you're like, Oh, are you taking that person in as well? Um, yeah. I like to me that says maybe they had something to do with it. But so did did he did she like confess it all to him, um, encouraging her to no. to murder? Or? As far as I know, no. Um, and so and as as far as I can tell, because of his alibi, like there's nothing truly tying him to somehow being involved in Marlene's murder at all. And so I don't think that that's been an avenue that's been truly explored very much. Um. But yeah, and so Mike has uh, maintained his innocence. He's like, I, I had nothing to do with it. I did not know my of wife was going to be murdered. He said that. Which, yeah, of course. Um, he also claims that he doesn't believe that Sheila had anything to do with Marlene's murder. When an interview asked interviewer asked him about Sheila's involvement, he responded, "You're saying Sheila, Sheila? Who even says she did that?" I don't think she had anything to do with this. If I thought she had something to do with this, I wouldn't have been with her. Personally, I don't trust him, but that just seems suspicious. Yeah, I think it's suspicious. I think you were having an affair. The person that you're having an affair with just so happens to kill your wife and then you marry her. I don't know. I I don't know. Like you're either choosing to be ignorant at that point or you're just really that dumb which is (laughs) read a book i don't know yeah um and so sheila is currently in custody in palm beach county awaiting trial which um was pushed back due to covid which again she was arrested in 2017 and i guess the trial was supposed to start this summer but that's four years i don't understand whatever and so her trial is set to begin in april of next year so april 2021 so we'll see what happens um i read that there's some like debate on whether or not the death penalty should be on the table or not but i won't weigh in on that goodness that's my case sorry about the clown i was not expecting that at all but you know i'm not a person who is like super afraid of clowns it's just i don't think i enjoy them at all like yeah. Not how well, I don't intended. really like anyone in full costume. Like, it's always yeah. unsettling to me. Like, even if you go to, like, Islands of Adventure, they have, like, a random time of day. It probably happens a few times a day where, like, the superheroes, like, um, Spider-Man and Storm and whatever, they all come out and they're like, let me talk to you and stuff. Like, if I can't see your face or your face no. is completely painted, like you should not talk to me because this is unsettling. Um, oh, and gosh. I hated it. <laughs> Have you ever been to a haunted house? Yes, I went um, a couple. Were you Were you not there? Wait, did you go with our coworkers? Yeah, we're, I'm pretty we're sure there. they invited. Absolutely not. I was not oh. there. You wouldn't catch me dead in a haunted house. That first of all, I am like scared of my own shadow. So that was the worst. Experience I think of we my life. had discussions about. Well, they invited me, and I was just like, mm. absolutely not, absolutely not. But you're like, I'm gonna go, and I was mm. like, so okay. I, I 
I was, I didn't plan on going to the haunted house. I was going to go beforehand because they were going to like a brewery. So I was like, okay, I'll go there. And they convinced me while I was there to like buy a ticket after I've had a few beers. So I was not making good choices. Um, And it was, yeah, horrifying. Never again. (laughs) There was one time where my Girl Scout troop, which I must have been between the ages of like seven and ten, we went to a haunted house i don't know why who was like yeah let's take a bunch of little girls and put them in a haunted house (laughs) and so they like broke us up into two groups so like one group was with my mom and the other group was with the other troop leader so the group that went ahead of us like someone started crying (laughs) so (laughs) they were like they like took them to leave the haunted house because it was just like too much and then i was like i'm getting on that train so i like snuck in with that group so that i could leave (laughs) but oh my god i hate i think in two times in my life I went on it that was one of them but like I got to get out of it early because someone else started crying first and then another one I went with my family at like six flags um and I think I just like had my head in my dad's armpit the whole time and I was like sobbing there's no I would never go to a haunted house never ever 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 yeah no I my experience was like absolutely i basically was just in whatever corner i could be in so that like nothing could touch me <laughs> like just like this is too much for me and i kept I like at one point i was just like okay i was just telling huh? people i was because there was just like random workers that weren't in costume that were just kind of like there i guess if somebody like had a stroke they could help them and i was like going up to them and i was like look i really need to go to the bathroom how do i get out of here can you just like get me to and they're like no you gotta keep going and i'm like no no, no like i need to go <laughs> Like, no, oh sorry. my god um but i don't like anywhere that's like not easy to get out of so even like if you go to a fair in those like fun houses with like weird mirrors i don't yeah. like anywhere that's like not simple for me to get out of without like having to do like a maze is too much for me oh, i that don't make sense i don't want to feel trapped <laughs> like it's like yeah. the anxiety speaking of like you always need to know where an exit is that's exactly you gotta oh my god but yeah um yeah no i'm ugh, i hope people aren't going to haunted houses now i feel like that's like maybe one activity that you could do right now because everyone would be wearing a mask but i feel like um, it's still a bad like you're in a pretty confined space don't go to haunted houses guys don't a, don't go really anywhere <laughs> right now unless you like need groceries or have to go to work or you know exactly social distance um we should abolish all haunted houses anyway i don't like them um and clowns if a clown comes to your house maybe don't answer your door that's like the weirdest part of your story to me is that a clown came to your house and the boys were like oh a clown well yeah for, for what it's worth like there so i saw pictures of like the crime scene and like the house they had like those type of doors that are just all glass so the front door like you could just see straight through it and Mm. so even if she hadn't 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 have opened the door like this homicidal clown would have well yes yeah absolutely like no victim blaming who would expect that to be the result of of that and like i'm sure you would just think what a normal person might think of like oh maybe uh like those singing telegrams were like more common back then i think like yeah 
I think that was the thing. They're like, oh, a clown's coming up with a beautiful flower arrangement. And I saw the flowers. They were actually really pretty. And balloons that I think the balloons were said, like, I love you or something like that. Um, So, yeah. So she, yeah, 100%, like, not her fault in any way whatsoever. But still, if you see a clown, like, go hide in your basement and call the police immediately. (laughs) worst case i mean best case scenario they end up being someone delivering you flowers and great but like oh my gosh that's just that sounds like my worst nightmare even like one time i was in my kitchen and my grandpa just like popped up in the kitchen window and was like waving because i guess they like came in through our backyard and i like fell on the floor and screamed (laughs) because i wasn't expecting that (laughs) I've had experiences like that too, for sure. Yeah, where it's just like you just see someone that you're not expecting. So like, just always be cautious. Um, yeah, maybe don't scream at your grandpa, but like, come on, grandpa, you were like <laughs> knocking on the kitchen window when I was trying to eat. Don't scare people. I feel like it's yeah. also a good rule of thumb. I scare Darrell a lot, to be honest, though. But it's funny when I do it. Um, but with this case you do have to kind of think in my opinion whoever did this if it was sheila and i do believe it was um i feel like you're a certain kind of like sick (laughs) to take like Uh, something to take yeah to take like yes clowns are creepy but the thing is at the end of the day like they're still unassuming and like you have to be a certain kind of sick that's like no i want to kill somebody at point blank range i want to kill you like this way but i'm going to dress up in a freaking clown costume knowing that children i mean yeah they're in their 20s but children are there it's insane i also yeah no offense to the law enforcement but like clearly i don't think they did the best job with this case but like how were they not able to track this person down? She clearly had to, like, rent or purchase this clown costume, which if it's not... I feel like people usually aren't just, like, buying clown costumes yeah. willy-nilly. There's well, probably only a couple shops. They didn't have Amazon back then, like... Or they, getting the flower arrangement or, like, doing this. That I, they found, sh- I mean, they had gotten, like, within days. It was, like, a within a week they knew it was Sheila. Like, they had, like, at the clown or at the costume store they were like yep woman dark brown hair here's how tall she was they're like pretty sure yeah. that's Sheila. at the grocery store same thing so they knew within days and i think i don't understand they just couldn't like pin it down they said her. it's like uh, like something about it being circumstantial and so for me i feel like that has more to do with probably like the district attorneys deciding well that's not enough for us to right because like i feel like the police did everything that they could short of arresting her and i feel like the only thing that wasn't that they the only reason that they didn't arrest her probably had to do with something to do with like the prosecutors which i don't understand at all even though time i'm sorry i take it back (laughs) i didn't mean it um no well i think you're right and i think um like i've heard that in many cases like a lot of unsolved quote-unquote crimes is that police know exactly who did it but they just can't say because they just don't have the right evidence so that makes sense i also you don't have to have like isn't it enough to just bring somebody in like can't you or isn't circumstantial enough to circumstantial evidence words natalie um 
enough to just bring somebody in like that's the part that is also weird to me like why wouldn't you just bring her in for questioning because i have a feeling that she probably would have cracked <laughs> like I, don't know. I, I mean i would hope that she would have but at least well yeah they do tried. Like a polygraph or but maybe I mean, it had to do with somebody... the fact that she was a woman and that yeah. they didn't feel that they it was like a high maybe enough they, priority yeah. case that yeah maybe they thought the clown had to have been a man like who knows but still i it's shocking to me that it took almost 30 years for this woman to be arrested um but yes yes and well, i hope still justice hasn't is been convicted. served <laughs> yeah hope just so. it's like crazy how much covid is like impacting cases mm-hmm. um for sure like, it's weird that that's something that we're talking about. Oh, I oh I'll, maybe I'll have to talk about it next time. But um, one of my people that was like awaiting trial, Claire Bronfen, the mm-hmm. um, Seagram person yeah. for the Nexium. Um, mm-hmm. I think she was finally sentenced. I know that that was put on hold because of COVID, but I think she. I'll I'll have to double check what okay. exactly it, it was. But um, so the courts are still cranking along slowly but um hopefully justice will will be served in this case our music is the track wasteland by joseph mcdade his patreon and our podcast sources will be linked in the podcast description below any mistakes are entirely our own so check out our wonderful sources for the most accurate information about these cases We talk about some tough subject matter on our show. If you or someone you love is in need of support, please reach out to the Crisis Text Line by texting HOME to 741-741. They are available 24-7 and will connect you with a trained crisis counselor. You can also reach the National Domestic Violence Hotline by calling 1-800-799-7233. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Join us next week for another episode of Pink Collar, a true crime podcast.